Yes, I killed him. I killed him for money. For a woman. I didn't get the money and... I didn't get the woman. Pretty, isn't it? Good evening, the femme fatale. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. There's actually a song by the Velvet Underground where Nico sings femme fatale. But we're not going to talk about the femme fatale. We're talking about film noir. Yesterday I gave you... What did I give you? I gave you Ministry, Al Jorgensen. And I gave you... Inio Morricone. Film... Noir has so many different elements. I think Double Indemnity is probably one of the most iconic. Double Indemnity, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's the oldest story in the book. The, the things that he does for this woman are really... <laughs> I mean, you you really want to take it to the bank right there. And then you got Fred McMurray. And you have Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck, who unfortunately never got a competitive Oscar. I'm going to play for you one of my favorite scenes in Double Indemnity. Because of what keys can do? You're not fooling. 
fooling me, Walter. It's because of Lola, what you did to her father. You're afraid she might find out someday. You can't take it, can you? I said leave her out of this. It's me I'm talking about. I don't want to be left out of it. Stop saying that. It's just that it hasn't worked out as we wanted. We can't go through with it, that's we all. We have gone through with it, Walter. The tough part is all behind us. We just have to hold on now and not go soft inside. Stick close together the way we started out. Won't you? Is she a femme fatale? Yeah, she is. But it takes two to tango in Double Indemnity. Tonight is Double Indemnity. It's available streaming, Blu-ray, DVD. It's a classic film, and it's a classic noir, film noir. It's a psychological thriller, film noir, directed by Billy Wilder. Released on July 3rd, 1944. Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, Edward G. Robinson. Porter Hall, Gene Heather, Byron Barr, Richard Gaines, John Philibur. The film was nominated for seven Academy Awards, but did not win any. Widely regarded as classic, it is often cited as having set the standard for film noir. Deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Yeah. The American Film Institute uh, placed it at 29 in their 10th anniversary list. Yeah. Double indemnity and... Okay. Wilder considered Double Indemnity his best film in terms of having the fewest scripting and shooting errors, and always maintained that the two things he was proudest of in his career were the compliments he received from Kane about Double Indemnity and from Agatha Christie for his handling of her witness for the prosecution. There's a lot going on in Double Indemnity. I don't want to give it away. If you feel that it's been given away, then okay. But you can still go back and watch um, Edward G. Robinson, who should have been nominated for an Academy Award for this, is so good. It's so... You you can't put anything past him. Come on, come on, Carlopers. You're not kidding anybody with that line of balls. You're on the chairman, you know it. Says you. All I want is my money. Says you. All you're going to get is the cops. Oh, hello, Walter. This is Sam Garlopas from Inglewood. Oh, sure, I know Mr. Garlopas. Wrote a policy on his truck. How are you, Mr. Garlopas? I ain't so good. My truck burned down. Yeah. Now, look, Garlopas. Every month, hundreds of claims come to this desk. Some of them are phonies, and I know which ones. How do I know? Because my little man tells me. What little man? The little man in here. Every time one of these phonies comes along, he ties knots in my stomach. I can't eat. Yours was one of them, Garlopas. That's how I knew your claim was crooked. So what did I do? 
I sent a tow car over to your garage this afternoon. And they jacked up that burned-out truck of yours. And what did they find? They found what was left of a neat pile of shavings. What shavings? The ones you soak with kerosene and drop the match on. Look, mister, I'm just a poor guy. Maybe I made a mistake. Well, that's one way of putting it. I ain't feeling so good, Mr. Kidd. Yeah, just a minute. Sign this and you'll feel fine. Sign what? It's a waiver on your claim. Right here. Here? Here. Now you're an honest man again. Goodbye, Colonel Lopez. But I ain't got no more truck. Only 600 bucks is a lot of dough where I live. What's the matter, Colonel Lopez? Don't you know how to open the door? Just put your hand on the knob. Turn it to the left. Now pull it toward you. That's the boy. Thank you, Mr. Kiss. That's Edward G. Robinson doing what he does best, playing keys. And as you watch the film, you're going to learn that you can't put anything past keys. He is truly, he's not even a detective, but at the same time, he's a natural detective because he says, you can't put one over on me. I, I've just got this feeling. A little man inside me says, this isn't right. The film is truly smoke and mirrors. It is, I mean, Fred McMurray with the Addictophone, come on. That's how the film opens. That's how the film closes. Here we go. Office memorandum. Walter Neff to Barton Keys, claims manager. Los Angeles, July 16th, 1938. Dear Keys, suppose you'll call this a confession when you hear it. Well, I don't like the word confession. I just want to set you right about something you couldn't see because it was smack up against your nose. You think you're such a hot potato as a claims manager, such a wolf on a phony claim. Maybe you are. But let's take a look at that Dietrichson claim. Accident and double indemnity. You were pretty good in there for a while, Keys. You said it wasn't an accident. Check. You said it wasn't suicide. Check. You said it was murder. Check. You thought you had a cold, didn't you? All wrapped up in tissue paper with pink ribbons around it. It was perfect. Except it wasn't because you made one mistake. Just one little mistake. When it came to picking the killer, you picked the wrong guy. You want to know who killed Dietrichson? Hold tight to that cheap cigar of yours, Keys. I killed Dietrichson. Me, Walter Neff. Insurance salesman, 35 years old, unmarried, no visible scars. Till a while ago, that is. Yes, I killed him. I killed him for money. For a woman. And I didn't get the money, and... I didn't get the woman. Pretty, isn't it? That's for damn sure. He didn't get the money, and he had the woman, partially. That's what happens in Double Indemnity. Released in 1944. Fred McMurray, who was accustomed 
do blame happy-go-lucky good guys and like comedies. And when Wilder first approached him about the role, McMurray said, You're making the mistake of your life. Playing a serious role required acting, he said, and I can't do it. But Wilder pestered him about it every single day at home in the studio commissary, in his dressing room on the sidewalk, until he simply wore the actor down. McMurray felt safe about his acquaintances because Paramount, which had him under contract, had carefully crafted his good guy image, would never let him play a wrong role. His trust, however, was misplaced. His contract was up for renewal at the time, and because his friend and co-star Carol Lombard had shrewdly and successfully taught him how to play hardball with the studio bosses, he was not the pliable pushover of old. Paramount executives decided to let him play the un- savory role to teach him a lesson. A lesson was indeed taught, but not the one Paramount had in mind. McMurray made a great heel about his performance, demonstrated new breaths of his acting talent. I never dreamed it would be the best picture I'd ever made, he said. Edward G. Robinson was reluctant to sign on to role of Barton Keyes, but not for the same reasons as McMurray and Stanwyck. Having been a little, uh, been a star since Little Caesar in 1930, this role represented a step downward to the third role. Robinson later admitted at my age it was time to begin thinking of character roles, to slide into the middle and old age with the same grace as the marvelous actor Louis Stone. It also helped, as he freely admitted, that he drew the same salary as the two leads for fewer shooting days. Now, Stanwyck, this is interesting. Very interesting. Okay, Wilder's first choice for the role of Phyllis Dietrichson was Barbara Stanwyck. At the time, Stanwyck was the highest paid actress in Hollywood, and the highest paid woman in America. Her eventual co-star McMurray matched Stanwyck's prominent, prominence at the pay window. In 1943, he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood, and the fourth highest paid act American. Given the nature of the role, Stanwyck was reluctant to take the part, fearing it would have an adverse effect on her career. According to Stanwyck, I said, I love the script and I love the, and I love you, but I'm a little afraid of all the, these years of playing heroines to go into an out-and-out killer. And Mr. Wilder, and rightly so, looked at me and said, well, you are a mouse or an actress. And I said... Well, I hope I'm an actress. He said, then do the part. And I did, and I'm very grateful to him. So all of the actors had second thoughts about playing those characters in Double Indemnity. But the proofs in the, in the, in the sauce and the after effects of this film, released in 1944, Double Indemnity, as always, Unpleasant Dreams. <laughs>